Welcome to the Center in the City podcast. I'm your host, Wade Brill, and during this series, I'll be interviewing various thought leaders, wellness experts, and humans on how they practice sustainable self-care and mindfulness. We'll get real and raw, talk about the light and the shadow side of self-care and mindfulness, and how we can actually stay centered amid the chaos and the hustle and bustle of our modern day world. So settle in and get centered. This podcast episode is brought to you by Centered in the City, a virtual on-demand self-care and mindfulness platform with over 200 different meditations, journaling prompts, nourishing recipes, and Pilates flows, all designed to support you feeling calm, focused, and energized as you live your life in this modern day world. For more information, head on over to centeredinthecity.org and claim your seven-day free trial. I am so excited to announce that the Center Yourself This Fall Challenge is coming up. We start on September 19th, and this is an opportunity to transition into this new season with a sense of intention to help us ground all of this beautiful, playful, summer-loving energy into a sense of more cozy and focused and getting organized energy, an opportunity to come back into our bodies and an opportunity to center the mind and an opportunity to just feel really good as we transition into this new season. So to learn more, head to centeredinthecity.org slash center dash yourself dash this fall to learn more and sign up. I'm looking forward to seeing you in the two-week challenge. I'm so excited to have Jackie Stewart on the Centered in the City podcast. A little bit about Jackie is she is a meditation teacher in New York City. She is one of the mentors and teachers for Mindful, as well as Allo Moves and the Journey Live app. She is a mindfulness advisor for Ross and Rex and regularly contributes to their Mindful Parenting article. Jackie has an MA from NYU School of Culture, Education, and Human Development and brings mindfulness into corporations as well as philanthropic work. You can learn more about Jackie and her full bio in the show notes. In today's episode, we talk about mindful parenting. This is a topic that I've always been interested in as somebody who isn't yet transitioning into parenthood. But I'm very curious about how my personal practice and how having a meditation practice supports us being parents, supports us cultivating more presence, maybe more curiosity, more love, more understanding. So settle into this episode as we explore this topic further. Jackie, welcome to the Center in the City podcast. Hi, Wade. Thank you so much for having me. I want to begin by asking you to share with us a time when you weren't centered. Well, I feel like I can I can offer so many moments when I wasn't centered. Um, you know, and I think that that really speaks to the practice of meditation too, in that, you know, being centered, I think sometimes we have a misconception, right? Like what does being centered really mean? Does it mean that I am feeling overwhelmed and that that is somehow 
wrong or I'm not supposed to have a moment like that. You know, at me as a meditation teacher, there are many moments throughout the day, particularly being a mother of two little ones, where I feel totally overwhelmed, where I feel like, oh my gosh, what's happening right now? And I think that the, you know, if we wanted to call that not being centered, then fine, sure. I feel like I'm not centered all the time. But for me, what helps me feel centered, even in the moments when overwhelm happens, is the awareness of how my experience is happening in that moment. So what I mean by that is, you know, even though I'm feeling overwhelmed, there's a knowing, there's an understanding of my experience, like, wow, the experience that's arising right now is kind of overwhelmed. It is, there's a lot happening right now. And I can feel tension arising in my body. I can maybe even feel agitation in my experience. Like I'm annoyed <laughs> that this is happening. But I think the difference is maybe my level of attachment to, to um, what I would call like resisting that from happening. Like I'm willing to just say, you know what? I'm overwhelmed. Agitation is happening. This is what's going down in this moment. Because I think a lot of times where that, let's say that piece of awareness or that centered place really kind of, um, can get really caught up is when we feel overwhelmed and, and all the things that we add to it. And I shouldn't be overwhelmed. And I can't believe that this is my experience and I'm gonna resist it and all of the other add-ons that get mixed in with the initial experience. So I think for me, just having the awareness of I'm feeling agitated, I'm feeling overwhelmed. This is a lot right now helps me feel centered, even if the actual experience that arising isn't one that is calm and centered. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love how you're describing really the inner work that's happening for you in those moments and the, the noticing of the unfolding and the extra layers that happen when we're noticing like the frustration and the resistance. So I think that's so helpful and definitely where we're going to go today as we explore like mindful parenting. And one of the things, you know, I connected with you over social media and one of the things that I've always been so curious about is how as a meditation teacher, you are bringing your practice into motherhood. I'm not yet a mother hopefully one day will be. And I'm just, one of the reasons actually that like I am so devoted, part of my motivation for my practice is because I know it helps me be a better human and partner and one day hopefully mother. And, and so I'm so curious to hear more about like, how do you bring your meditation practice into parenting? Yeah. So that's a great question. And the way that I'll answer it is kind of tying back to what you just asked me, right? So having that kind of awareness arise in those moments of overwhelm, I know I would not have access to if it weren't for my meditation practice, mm. if it weren't for the moments that I set aside when my mind isn't agitated necessarily, or when various other experiences might be coming up for me to be able to sit with myself, to be able to sit with my mind and, and just 
essentially get to know it really, really well in all of its various states, right? So as I said, oh, this is what the mind is like when things are really sort of settled. Oh, this is what the mind is like when I'm really angry because maybe that's something that comes up for me in practice. Um, this is what the mind is like when I'm feeling anxious, right? So that I have the opportunity to just get to know very intimately all the different parts of me and, and what can come up so that in a more heightened state, AKA real life, when, <laughs> when it arises, I have that familiarity and say, oh, I know you, mm. your anger. Okay, we're friends. I've done this before. I know what you feel like. I know what you like, if we want to even put color or texture to it, I know what this experience is like. So I can better navigate how I sort of um, move through this experience off the cushion. And so something that I'll just add to that is, you know, previously I said, I might have a moment of overwhelm. And so just by having that awareness, I feel like the next moment can be different, right? Because if I were just caught in the storm of overwhelm, maybe in the next moment, I'm who knows what, I'm shouting or I'm, you know, letting a lot of sort of um, old narratives come out. Maybe some of my deep-seated habitual patterns might come out. I'm not saying that they don't come out sometimes, they mm -hmm. certainly do, mm -hmm. but within that, um, you know, when, when awareness is present, there's an ability to be able to navigate it a little bit more skillfully. So I might say, wow, I'm feeling really overwhelmed right now. I need to tap out and I need to ask my husband to actually step in, or I need to say this out loud. So at least everyone in the room can have an understanding of what's going on for me. So I'm not just keeping it all in and sort of stuffing it down. So I might say, I'm feeling really frustrated right now right? Even to my five-year-old son, I'm feeling really frustrated right now. I just need one minute to just take a couple deep breaths, mm. right? Or I need to just step away for a moment. So just by having the ability to acknowledge this is what's happening gives me a better, um, a better ability to just speak to it and, and to offer possible, um, I don't know, uh, what word would I use? Um, just a way to help, right? A way to help myself. And hopefully by helping myself, I'm helping the people around me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things that, that you shared that I want to highlight is that you say that this is what the mind is like right now. This is what the mind is like on when I'm experiencing anger, when I'm experiencing joy, when I'm experiencing frustration. And to highlight it as the mind having an experience, I think is really skillful because that creates some space between us, our ego and identity, right? And it's like, oh, this is just the mind having an experience. It, it rises and it falls away. And so I think labeling it from that third person perspective is very skillful. And then also labeling it. So labeling the sensations that you were saying, the color, the texture, whatever it is, as an emotion, and then even to be able to model that for your son of like, oh, this is frustration is really powerful. Yeah, thank you for saying that. It feels 
I mean, I'll be honest, parenting feels like the most vulnerable, powerful, important, confronting work that I have ever been challenged to do. And I am rising to the occasion, but it's not easy. You know, it's not easy at all. And I think that it it certainly requires me to reach down into, you know, the depths of all of my stuff and check it out. Will you tell us a little bit more about like what mirror is happening for you when, as, as you're navigating parenthood? Yeah. So I'll just share, you know, for me, when I, so I have two kids just to clarify for anybody who might be listening. Um, I have a five-year-old and an eight-month-old. And so when I had my first son, um, who's now five, just the experience of holding an infant, but watching him grow and develop. um, You know, when you have an infant, there is something so completely pure about this brand new human being who is here without any filters, who's here without any preconceived notions or judgments or anything. It's like this glorious, breathtaking thing to experience. And so for me to have that view, basically to have that understanding of him, anything that would come up, let's just say I was trying to put him down for a nap and the nap wasn't happening. And I would feel this like angst and frustration come up in me because why are you not napping? <laughs> and and it's you, nap time. Yes, it's <laughs> nap time. And 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 there's so much writing on this nap because it's the time that I will feed myself. It is the time right. that I will get a moment to just sit down and let my arms rest because I've been holding you all day. Right. So there's all this these other variables that are wrapped up in it. But for me to be able to recognize all the stuff that I'm putting on him, what am I frustrated about, right? How can I be frustrated with a brand new human being Mm -hmm. who just might not be ready for a nap? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's like this piercing mirror Mm -hmm. because when a moment like, like that happens, any anger, any frustration, anything that comes up is like, this is in me. This is, this is something that I'm carrying. These are my habitual patterns that I'm recognizing. Sure. I can understand that there are some of my own personal needs that are wrapped up in this. I need a break right now. I need some food right now. And that might be contributing to the feeling that I'm having this frustration, but ultimately it has nothing to do with him and has everything to do with me just being able to see my experience more clearly. Wow. Okay. Let's pause there for a moment because I think that is so insightful that anybody listening right now can relate to whether you're a parent or not is just how we put our own shit on other people, whether any relationship, any interaction, it happens. And to just even have the awareness, what you're saying of this pure infant to be this crystal clear mirror for you in that moment to recognize, oh my God, I am... I am putting my like, you know, displacing my frustrations on on this being right here, I think is so powerful. And when we can be aware of those 
as it kind of goes back to like what we were saying in the beginning of this conversation, how we then can have more wise insight to our next choices or our next actions. Yeah. And, and the word that came up for me as you were describing that is essentially expectation, mm. right? When I have an expectation that you should nap right now, mm-hmm. and then that really opens up to that experience regardless of the relationship. But anytime we think that any other person should anything, right? That we, we project out to others, this expectation of you know, and I, I find myself doing it to my husband all the time. Like, you know, because I try so, I, I, I like to think diligently, you know, I, I try to parent a certain way. I try to speak a certain way. And he has a whole different way of parenting. He has a whole different way of talking to our kids. And, and I'll get tripped up in that because I'll have this thought like, that's not the way I think this should go down. This is not the way that you know, this is not in my mind what mindful parenting looks like. And then it turns into this whole projection and frustration and whether we even want to call it control, right? This mm-hmm. whole other dynamic. So then that awareness is needing to reveal itself of, wow, how helpful is this actually right. in the bigger picture when I'm all over him for whatever it is that he's doing, that if I can just take that step back and see, am I contributing to this whole dynamic in a way that is creating more ease, more peace, more, um, let's just call it like regulation, mm-hmm. right? If we want to speak in psychological terms, like am I creating a space that feels regulated and grounded or am I actually exacerbating what might already be a heightened situation that doesn't need my feedback right. in the moment. So that even has been a really, for me, like a really potent area of growth is not just my relationship with my kids, but now in my parenting or sorry, my partnering relationship, mm-hmm. um, that that has become this whole other area of exploration that I didn't expect to work through. Mm-hmm. Wow. So much there. And I'm just curious, you know, it's like if you didn't have your meditation practice, I mean, it's like, we can't really answer this, but you know, it's like, would you be able to pay attention? Would you be able to notice those moments when you're putting your expectations on others or the shoulds are coming out? For me personally, I don't think not even just in parenting, but like in making choices, that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about supporting myself and others having a meditation practice is gives us that wisdom and that insight to just know what's happening in each moment as best as we can as it's unfolding. And how we do that, just life is so much more full. There's so much more depth and beauty and we see how we're all connected and just trying to navigate this world. Yeah. So your initial question was, you know, what would it be like for me if I didn't have a meditation practice? And I can speak to the experience of how it was for me before I um, essentially, I think what really shifted uh, my practice was going on retreat um, in this 
it was in a monastery in Nepal. So I spent quite a bit of time there and it was at such a point in my life where I was really in a deep habit of pointing the finger outward in so many ways. I was pointing the finger outward at my career. I was pointing the finger outward at my partner who is now my husband, but at the time my, I think ex-fiance because we had gotten engaged and then I called it off because I was just so in this um, tendency of blaming, just mm. looking at how everything was sort of not going right. Yeah. So there was this moment where it felt like everything was unraveling, everything was sort of falling apart and I had nowhere else to go other than to sit, to sit, to mm -hmm. sit with myself. Mm -hmm. The finger sort of just naturally pointed back this way and just said, you've got to check this out. You've got to really look at what's going on here because there are all these things that are not sort of going so smoothly and you're the common denominator mm -hmm. in all of them. Mm -hmm. So let's use this as a, an opportunity to just go inward, mm -hmm. you know, and, and come back to yourself and really figure out, you know, what it is that's going on. And I think that when I took that time to really look, you know, it wasn't comfortable. And I think that there's something very comfortable about deflecting our experience, right? Because we don't have to look at ourselves. We don't have to look at the ways in which I might actually be doing things that are not so skillful because it's your fault and it's your fault. And, you know, I'm not the issue here. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you should be doing it this way. So clearly that's that's the problem here so to just take the time to sit and be really uncomfortable with that and to um in that moment basically have a mirror shown back at me to say okay so maybe maybe it's a combination of expectations maybe it's a combination of you know what's interesting is I feel like I was also living from a very um my perspective was very self-oriented. Mm -hmm. It's all about me. Mm -hmm. And I say that um, not to be flippant, right? Because I think for many of us, this is a very natural experience that, that we only know our own experience, but to really have the ability to um, put myself in another person's shoes, to really kind of reflect on how might this land for someone else? What might be happening for them? Might they also be processing their own, whatever it might be, childhood patterns that are also arising and rubbing up against mine, that there was just so much perspective that I felt like I was missing mm -hmm. because my scope of understanding and focus was so narrow at the time. You know, it was only supposed to look this one way and because it didn't look that one way, it wasn't working. So I think that I'd probably be really run by that belief system if I didn't have my practice, that I would still be holding on pretty tightly to ideas of how, of, of Jackie's way, mm -hmm. you know, not really considering mm -hmm. the myriad other ways that exist in the universe. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that I also would, would not have the same kind of um, like grace with my emotions as I feel like I have now. Mm -hmm. Thank you for putting language to that because honestly, I can't even think back to what it would be like 
pre-meditation. So to, for you to really articulate that, sh those shifts that you've seen over the years and, and how your practice has really supported you is, is beautiful. Like that's beginner's mind right there. So thank you for uh, articulating that. I'm curious, like as a busy mom, as a working mom and partner, how do you make space for your meditation practice? Because and I'm even curious to hear how you think about your meditation practice, how one of my meditation teachers talked about having a formal meditation practice was like the act of strengthening our mindfulness muscles. And so it's great to practice daily mindfulness to the best of our ability. And it's important to also have a meditation practice because that's how we bring more strength to our mindfulness practices throughout the day. And I've always kind of held that as a belief and why I've really tried to stay as consistent with my meditation ritual because I noticed that when I do, it allows me to bring more of this awareness, this mindfulness into each moment. And one of the, I wouldn't say fears, but it's definitely like a big curiosity for me of like when entering motherhood, how much, you know, harder it is when you can't control the nap time, your time becomes more full. Like, so how do you fit in your meditation practice or your mindfulness practice? Yeah, so I'll say a couple things about this. For me, my mindfulness, my meditation practice has really shifted in many ways over the years. Um, before becoming a mother, becoming a mother for the first time, having had that, um, you know, like first year period of just, oh my God, what happened to my life and my meditation practice and all the things that I thought were stable, basically, you know, not there anymore, um, to finding an ability to settle in again to now having a second child, right? And, and just watching it move and shift. So I'd say flexibility mm. is something that I had to become really comfortable with. Flexibility, also um, setting boundaries. So setting boundaries as far as some of my non-negotiables. You know, I think that I had run into um, a lot of just feeling really, uh, I'll just use the word overwhelmed because I feel like it's something we've been referring back to a lot in this conversation. But, um, you know, when I had my, my first son, I was pretty overwhelmed for the first year of just like, wow, this is this experience that's ha happening. And, you know, there would be days that would just get away from me. And I, I would just be like, oh, I didn't practice. I feel like things just did not go, you know, like I didn't do any today. Um, I'll also be honest, I feel like there were points in um, my first year of postpartum where I was probably malnourished because I just didn't take the time to feed myself because it was like focusing on this baby, making sure he's fed, making sure he's napped, maybe the moment that he went to nap, I would go and try to make myself something. But then I would be like, oh my gosh, what do I even make? You know, like I'm staring at a refrigerator full of things and I'm, my brain is just mush right now. Mm. Um, so having, having met so many of those moments, I think really caused me to say, you know what? I need to create non-negotiable boundaries here. And so first one was just, with my husband, I just said, I can't have you leave the house until I've showered. I need to have bathed. B 
because there's something so, I mean, we just take it for granted, right? Like I get a shower every day, but there would be times where the baby would wake up first. So all of a sudden my day started, right? I don't like get ahead of the day in that way, but the day has started. Um, we're already in, in the mix of nursing. You know, my husband at the time was getting ready to go for work and all of a sudden I'd find myself not having showered, not having eaten, not having cared for myself in any of those ways. Um, and then all of a sudden the day was gone, right? So after having that happen, I just said, okay, we need to set some, some boundaries here. So I, I need to have bathed before you leave the house. And so oftentimes what would happen is my practice would happen on the floor of the bathroom, you know, like I would wait to get in the shower and I, it was just an opportunity to close the door. Mm. It was like, I can close the door. I'm about to have this moment for myself. I'm just going to sit and this is where it's going to happen. Right. So nothing glamorous. It was, you know, on a, a bath rug, you know, in front of the tub. Um, but for a while, that's what it would look like. In other times, it would be when I would leave our apartment because I'm in New York City. So when I would leave our apartment, um, I would just sit in our stairwell before going to wherever it was that I was going to because I also knew that that was just going to be <sighs> a quiet place where I could just sit and, and also have a moment of kind of letting go of whatever was happening in the home and stepping out into the world. So there was almost like a threshold that I could step over. And that meditation kind of uh, was that marker for me. So it's, it's shifted. It looks like many different things. I also um, took on quite an elaborate practice um, for about the past two, two or three years. Um, and I think a big part of really being able to support ourselves through practice and consistency is also listening to what is feeling supportive. And so because that practice was so rigorous during my pregnancy, I found that I just needed to back off a little bit, you know, to not do a practice that felt quite so rigorous and just allow myself a lot of space. Like mostly I'm in uh, this process of softening and unfolding and just being so for a while, my practice was really simple. I would, I would just sit on a couch and like enjoy doing nothing for a pocket of time when my son was at school, you know, my husband was at work and I could just be with myself. Um, yeah, so I think for me, really having the intuition to listen to what's feeling supportive now, also the flexibility of saying, it's not gonna look like what I, I might want it to. I might not even get to sit for as long as I'd like to, but this is what it is right now. And as long as for me, it's at the forefront of my mind, like this is something that I'm going to get to today, that that felt like a commitment that I could establish and really work to keep. Um, and then of course, there are times when it would get interrupted. You know, that maybe during a nap is when I decided to sit and then, you know, five minutes into it, he's crying. It's like, well, okay, that was my practice for today. And, and maybe I can just offer some gratitude to myself for making it for five minutes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So much wisdom there of flexibility with our practice, I think is really 
important and not really talked about enough of how I kind of have this phrase that I've been playing with of when we hold something too tight, it will break. Like if we hold on to Mm. our practice too tight, it's going to break. And if we hold on to it too loosely, it will slip through our fingers. And so it's like, I think having that flexibility to kind of allow it to be consistent enough that it keeps us grounded, but also be able to be fluid with us in our life because life is dynamic, especially as a mother, a parent, and especially with little kids and knowing that their, their rhythm is definitely not consistent. So it's like, how do you find consistency in all of the inconsistency? And, and then also being, I hear even in your practice of like paying attention to those moments where you can pause the bathroom, closing the bathroom, the stairwell, like all of those little transition moments. Maybe it's even just in an elevator, taking a few deep breaths, like whatever you can do, how you can fit it in. And then that intuition to tap in, to ask yourself like, huh, what do I need right now? And listening and then setting those boundaries and non-negotiables, I think are all really important insights that we can take whether we're in the phase of motherhood or not into our meditation practice. Yeah, yeah, thank you for saying that. And I'll also just offer this, you know, the piece about also just listening to what's going to be the most supportive, like how can I take the best care of myself right now as possible? in the early days of pregnancy when there's a lot of nausea happening and just like a general sense of not feeling too well. I remember, you know, there would be mornings where I would literally crawl to my cushion and just lay there. And I would probably, you know, I think I would just doze off because it was early in the morning. Um, And I would probably just fall asleep on the cushion. But what felt so in hindsight, heartwarming for me was just that commitment to make it to the cushion and and the rest could kind of take care of itself. You know what I mean? It was just having that commitment or just having that aspiration. Like today I'd like to meditate. (laughs) I'd like to make it to my cushion. And, And whatever happens is also going to be, you know, what I think is gonna serve me best. So in those moments when I would fall back asleep, there's a part of me that, that I think understood, I think this is just what my body needs. I think my body just needs to rest. I don't think I need to be sitting upright, you know, causing my body to feel straight in this moment. I think that there's something really gentle actually about this. And then on, on the flip side, you know, even in those early days of just navigating, like, how am I going to get a practice in? And days that would pass where maybe I didn't get to practice and feeling a kind of frustration about that, like, Oh, and I didn't even get to meditate today. Like that, even having right. that, those words and that tone come out was like, well, that's not the point, right? That's mm. not the point is to kind of hang on so rigidly, like you were saying, like, I'm who am I frustrated at myself, at my baby that this didn't happen, that there's right. also this kind of totally like there's this real kind of offering of grace of like, Jackie, this is what today was. And if, if I can learn anything from my practice, can I just let go of the fact that today happened the way that it did? You know, can I find some flexibility in this? And, and just as we begin again and again and again, when we come off the breath and do our practice, right? 
I, I can begin again tomorrow. Tomorrow is another opportunity to just recommit and come back to my practice because it didn't happen today. And rather than find that resentment or beat myself up about it, can I just let it go and start over? Yes, I think that's so important to highlight too because, you know, I think people people can get wrapped up into this oh, streak. Like, you know, when we're building habits, people get really attached to creating streaks. And for me, streaks have never really worked, but there's this attachment to if I do this consistently enough for this many days and then they fall off on, let's say, day 12, it's like they just want to throw it out the window. And there's that shame and that beating themselves up and why couldn't I have done it and the, maybe the resentment to like what happened that day and da 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 but yeah that we can just begin again and what permission and kind like kind permission that offers ourselves to just begin a, again and it sticks to the intention of the practice not the actual outcome of did I or did I not do it but am I committed completely to yeah, and I think it also keeps us in process rather than kind of letting this become some goal-oriented thing where we are here to attain or achieve a certain number or even arrive at a certain state of mind, that it keeps us fluid in that, you know what, you know, today happened the way it did. And even if shame, resentment, guilt arise, that that is so potent for my practice. Mm -hmm. Look at all of these, um, look at all of these tendencies that I carry with me. Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm going to recommit tomorrow because there's so much for me to work with here. Mm -hmm. So even that, you know, when we, when we run into those moments, you mentioned some people will just say, well, forget it then, right? That's even something that's so revealing. Wow. Look at how willing I am to just give up because something didn't go the way that I thought it should. Right. Wow. Look at that. So all of it is so wonderfully rich for us to experience. Look at what's coming up for me. Look how I handled that. Yeah. It, there's a playground, like life is a playground of awareness and noticings and learnings. And if we just tune in to pay attention, how much fun we can have, even if it's uncomfortable or painful, just noticing it all. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, for me, it's been some of the most healing, um, some of the most empowering tools and skills that I've been able to develop. And I feel so fortunate to have come into these mm -hmm. teachings and these practices. Mm -hmm. It is. It's the greatest gift. And I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your insights with us. I feel like I could keep talking to you about this practice and and motherhood and and just being a mirror in partnership because there's again endless things to be learning and discussing. Jackie, where can people learn more about you and your work and how to stay connected? Yeah, thank you for asking about that. So my website is a really great place to just find all the different areas and platforms that I'm involved with. Um, it's JackieStewart.com. And I'll just mention maybe a few of the things that I, uh, that I am offering. So I have a digital library on Allo Moves. So there are classes there um, that I think are just uh, really beautiful. I've spent a lot of time really um, 
kind of developing those classes. There's something that's a little bit more off the cuff, uh, a, an app called Journey Live, where I teach almost daily. So most days of the week, I'm on there, um, 8 a.m. Eastern time, and it's a live class. And then afterwards, there's an opportunity for discussion. And for me, that's where some of the most rich part of um, this practice arises is in just being able to talk about it with community members, have them ask about their experience and really unpack it together. So those are some of the main platforms that I'm on and then others can be found on my website. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much, Wade. Thank you so much for listening to the Center in the City podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review this podcast. It helps so much to get this podcast in other people's ears and hearts and minds, as well as take a moment to share this episode with a friend that you know could benefit from all of the greatness shared on this episode. Until next time, stay centered.